Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, the Chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology in the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the Chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic and the President of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. This is our weekly discussion with Dr. Maurice in which we learn about updates in the field of laboratory medicine and pathology. Well, Bill, great talking with you this week as always. That's right, I'm back for another go round. There's continues to be no shortage of things for us to talk about. I think that that probably won't change anytime soon for good or for bad. Yeah, I think that's right, for yeah. good or for bad, unfortunately. There is a little bit more news on Omicron. We briefly talked about the Omicron variant in our last podcast. And there's a little bit more information on that that we could talk about, but then also just, I think, reflecting on the general state of COVID-19 across the country, across the world, still something that we all need to be thinking about. Yeah, I think that's right. The Omicron variant appeared over the Thanksgiving holiday weekend mm-hmm. here for the U.S. And so that, of course, made it thrust it right to the front of the news, even though we didn't know a lot about it and we are learning more. But I think it's important just to step back and say there's a lot we still need to learn about COVID, but there's a lot of other things that are happening with COVID that we need to stay aware of. So what more have we learned about COVID? Yeah, about well, Omicron, <laughs> about Omicron. Yeah, well, let's first take a trip down our very short memory lane here. So, yeah, it was declared a variant of concern by the World Health Organization the day after Thanksgiving. So yeah, people were coming out of Thanksgiving thinking, oh my goodness, what's going on now? And at the time, it was just a couple scattered cases. Now it looks like there's global uh, detection in at least 40 countries. And those are cases that had probably been there that we're just detecting now. So we have to remember that detection doesn't mean that it's spreading wildly, although it is probably spreading. There is community spread. Something worth noting is even though it was first detected in South Africa and Botswana, it now looks like it was probably in other countries before that as well. It was just that South Africa had really good sequencing capabilities, so they were one of the first to alert the world to this new variant. Yeah, that is interesting. That's one reason why we need to move past the naming of variants by the geographic location yeah. for a lot of different reasons. And I know that Africa CDC has been working a lot on sequencing of variants. So it's not surprising that it would have been identified there first. But mm-hmm. my understanding, a couple of interesting things is that number one, phylogenetically, it looks like it's not really a daughter strain of Delta. It appears much different than some of the other strains that are circulating out there, number one, which is raising a lot of mm-hmm. interesting questions about where it might have arisen. I don't know if you've heard the same thing. I have, yeah. There's some questions about, does it contain some of the sequences that look more like the common cold coronaviruses? Although I haven't seen any definitive evidence on that yet. It could have been that it arose in a number of different people, uh, maybe someone that was co-infected with the common cold corona, but I think that that's still speculation at this point. Yeah, and the other is that it does appear that it is more transmissible even than the Delta strain. That that, that is probably the case. It does have a high number of mutations, especially in the spike gene protein region. So that's the gene that is in charge of making the spike protein. And of course, that's the outer protein that the immune system sees and it's responsible for entering cells. So mutations in that area might make it potentially more transmissible and potentially also more likely to not be impacted by some of our treatments and vaccines, although that still is yet to be seen. 
That's right. You know, there's still a lot of speculation out there about that, especially for the vaccines that are out there. Those are, of course, exclusively to the spike protein. There are no other viral proteins in there because the spike is the most immunogenic and important. But again, it'll even potentially raise questions about what we should be doing for our vaccination kind Mm -hmm. of strategies. Should they be multivalent, meaning more than one protein? A lot, but it's very easy to jump ahead. There's a lot we still don't know. Mm-hmm. And that kind of my, my concern is that we're, as we sort of speculate now around Omicron variant of COVID, that we don't lose sight of what we do know about the existing COVID situation in our country, which is predominantly Delta still, and that we're still seeing cases go up in certain parts of the country, including in Minnesota. Yeah, there's definitely parts of the country that are pretty hard hit at this point. From a laboratory capacity standpoint, I think another important thing to mention is we have a lot of testing available now, and there's a new push to get more at-home testing into the hands of people and getting that reimbursed by insurance. And I was looking at some of the data coming out from Johns Hopkins, which some of our listeners may recall, they've really played a key role in tracking the spread of COVID-19 throughout the pandemic. And so according to Johns Hopkins data, the U.S. has now built enough capacity to test more people than any other country. And we are now sequencing about 14% of our positive PCR tests. So that's good news from a laboratory standpoint that we can test people, that we have tests. So those areas of the country that are seeing the outbreaks, which they're numerous right now, we do have the tools to be able to detect those cases, which is important. Yeah, it's really good to hear. Thinking back to the early days of 2020, when we had no testing Mm -hmm. and and really through the entirety of that year, And then really towards the end of 2020, about a year ago, when we first saw what is now the alpha strain identified in the United Kingdom, and there was that whole push around sequencing and were we sequencing enough. So we're finally getting out in front of this. And it's important because I do think that one of the things that we're going to be left with as we move forward is a need for testing for certain activities. Mm -hmm. I might have mentioned in our last podcast, I was just visiting a corporate headquarters for another company in the Northeast. And you were required to have a negative test on site before you could take your mask off. And Mm -hmm. because we know the vaccines work in terms of keeping people from getting severely ill, but they're certainly not perfect and they don't stop transmission. So I think that means testing is probably going to be part of our daily routines, if not life routines here for the foreseeable future, I think. Yeah, I agree, Bill. And something we've talked about before, but it's worth repeating, is that the tests that are really readily available at your local uh, pharmacy, drugstore, those are usually the antigen-based tests. And they're relatively affordable, although they can still cost you, you know, $12, $15 a test, which could get expensive over time, but they're not very sensitive for detecting early infection. So they're really designed to be used right before an event so that if you are actually shedding virus at that point, even if you don't have symptoms, you'd be able to detect it. And they're also usually designed to be performed over a couple different days. So you repeat the testing, knowing that you might be negative on the first one and then positive the second time as the virus loads go up. So that's something to keep in mind because I also have been in the same situation where I've gone to a number of meetings now. We're starting to travel again, which I've kind of enjoyed, but you know, it's the, the questions of keeping ourselves safe And all of those times that I've traveled, I've also had to have a negative test before I would be allowed in the building. There's a number of different tests that are available. I opted for PCR because I was able to get a a good PCR test before I left. But you might find yourself in a situation where it's just a lot more convenient to have an antigen test. And I just think it's important to remember that 
they're not as sensitive as the PCR test. So if you're using those before visiting someone who might be at high risk of severe disease, you may want to also take some measures like still wearing your mask, uh, limiting contact with other people the week before you travel, doing several of those tests before seeing that person. I think yeah. there's some risk mitigation that still needs to occur. Yeah, I think that's important. And, you know, we could probably spend another podcast kind of revisiting a lot of the tests and different types of COVID tests and what they're most useful for and what they can tell you and what they can't. Mm -hmm. I think, go stepping back to your point, the reality is actually there's no test that's perfect. There's no test that's 100% sensitive. And so we are continuing to see COVID cases and and a lot of community transmission in parts of the country. So the most important thing I think is as we start to think about holiday travel, because people, you know, we're already through the first week of December, which is kind of hard Mm -hmm. to believe that people have to start to think about just being mindful of that, staying safe, making informed choices. As far as we've come with COVID and we've come a long way, the reality is that thinking this Christmas probably shouldn't be a whole lot different than last Christmas. I think mm-hmm. hopefully many people will be vaccinated and so they'll be have a higher degree of safety. But I think if there's people in your life that you're particularly concerned about, you have to remember that some people don't respond as well to the vaccine and or as effectively. So just masking some of those basic safety things, we have to continue to keep front of mind here. As we get through this, we will get through it. We still don't know what the new normal will look like. We don't know what it'll look like in six months. But for right now, I think it's important for people just to keep in mind that it's important to stay vigilant, I think, really. And just be thoughtful. It doesn't mean you have to be afraid. Just be thoughtful about the reality that COVID can still be spread. I agree, Belle. And I think what we could do on one of our next podcasts is talk about what do you do for the holidays if you're planning on having gatherings, especially indoor gatherings with numerous people. And there are some things that are pretty practical that you could do that we could talk about. Just spacing people out a bit. We actually did that at my family Thanksgiving dinner. We didn't all gather around a table. We kind of spaced ourselves out across two different rooms because, of course, we all had our masks off because we were eating. And there was one person, my poor husband, who had a bit of a cold, and we put him in the back room because we weren't (laughs) entirely sure that he didn't have COVID and we didn't have access to testing. So there's some practical things you could do while still being able to get together with your loved ones. And yeah, uh, well, I know I've been spaced out of my family gatherings for years. So, but it's good to have, (laughs) and to have rules. The card table assignment rules might change, I guess, is what you're telling us over the holidays here. So no, and it'll be good to talk about. I think the Omicron variant's another twist in a very convoluted plot that's gone longer than any of us would like. But the most important thing is that we're still working in the healthcare community to get through this. And we just need to continue to lead and be thoughtful and and not get too down, but just Mm -hmm. also not throw caution to the wind either, just to continue to kind of just get out in front of this. I totally agree. Well, we'll keep talking about that and we'll talk about holiday gatherings in one of our next podcasts. Sounds good. All right, talk to you soon then, Bill. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.